Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, this is Ramesh Ranganathan. Uh, welcome to Hip Hop Save My Life. I'm speaking to you from a hotel lobby in Ethiopia. Uh, excuse the background noise. I sound like a journalist or something. Anyway, what to tell you about today's episode? So today's episode was with Mr. B, the gentleman rhymer. If you don't know Mr. B, I suggest you check out. He's basically combined hip hop with kind of like I don't know steampunk or something. He used to be in Collapse Lung, um, knows his hip hop backwards, and was uh, great fun. So great fun. It sounds like the most fucking nondescript thing you can say. He was brilliant. Okay, I don't need to talk about it anymore. Enjoy hip hop, save my life. Oh, and the other thing. I forgot to say is um, you've seen the new artwork it's great thank you to Stuart Cromick for that um, I'm going to be honest I'm not happy with this intro but I can't be asked to re-record it so deal with it bye bye this is the Hip Hop Save My Life podcast thank you for listening to the podcast hope you enjoy the podcast now sit back because it's time for the podcast Welcome to Hip Hop Save My Life. I'm with Rue Madge. Yeah. Um, I want to apologise to you. Oh, God. Uh, because I had a meeting uh, yesterday about something completely different. And the person I was having the meeting with said, uh, really enjoy the podcast, except for the fact that you're really horrible to Rue Madge. And he, and he said Go to on. me, he said to me, you're really horrible to him. Mm. And also, he sounds quite down about it. Well, and I just said, he just fine, sounds like fine. sad sack. Like, that is how you sound, isn't it? It's yeah. not like... Oh, you fine. sound like life has beaten you just all yeah. the time, don't you? That's not like... Yeah, that's not a character. <laughs> so anyway, today I'm going to Who was be... this guy? Huh? Who was this guy? It's TV producer. Uh, so I'm going to be I'm gonna be nice to you Oh, today, thank you. Like for today's podcast. I won't know what to do with myself. Well, um, you always know what to do with yourself because yeah. you're such a quick-witted and fast thinker. Thanks. Now, now we're both under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were just talking with our guest, who I'm about to introduce, about the fact that you're not... You can't get into honey. We were talking about that. I didn't think you'd bring it up. I want to bring it up. Why Why are you trying to get I into never honey? liked it back in the day. Right. Like, you know, when I first, when I was first on the honey scene. Yeah. And then uh, uh, my girlfriend's a big honey fan. Right. So I thought I'd make an effort. But does she, um, does she get the one, does she get the honey with the, like, the, the bit squeezy of the... bottle one? Is it oh. Meals? M-I-E-L-S? So, I don't know. Mm. I don't eat honey, man. I'm vegan. Oh, shit. But, um... Uh, but my mum loves the one where they actually not only they not they're not only happy with with stealing the honey, mm. but they also take a bit of the bee's house and stick it in the jar. <laughs> yeah. You've seen that one. Yeah, my mum loves yeah. that. So just fucking she just <laughs> couple of pour bees it flying out, like out when Winnie you first the Pooh, and then just fucking savage this bit of beeswax, <laughs> just chomping away on it. It's rank. Horrible. But anyway, the reason that was brought up is because we are honoured and delighted mm. to have. The pioneer of chap hop himself, Mr. B, the gentleman rhymer. How are you? Very well, sir. Very well. Thank you for having me along. Uh, no, thanks for thanks for coming. You are a honey fan, right? You had. I mean, that's nothing to do with the. That's well, this not is why how... you're called Mr. B, is it? No, no. no. Wow. Oh, that was stuff. very. Is that the? I thought that... I was going to let you have that one. Mate. That was it's easy. Did you feel the electricity? For, for yeah. One moment there, you decide not to be horrible to rematch, <laughs> and he's taken over. <laughs> You give I mean, me a window. What, just so you know, this, that's what happens when you're not happy. Like when you're not nice. When, you, when you're nice to him, yeah. he's encouraged to drop dog shit like that. Yeah. That's what happens. Anyway, you we're had, back. <laughs> you had uh, you had honey, right? I did have honey this morning. Yes. What type? Of, do you get like artisan? No, uh, it's it's you know just from down the whatever the Sainsbury's local thing. Squeezy, right, right, right. Squeezy, squeezy bottle. Guy, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Just fine. one of those. Um, I wanted peanut butter, but we'd run out. What do you go for, crunchy or smooth? Uh, crunchy, generally. Yeah, I do too. What about you, Rumaj? <clears throat> I, I don't really eat peanut butter. No? I'm just a Marmite guy. Are you? Mm. And what do you have with a Marmite? Butter. Right. Mm. Have you ever tried um, pre-mixing it? No. What, so you'd melt the so two together? You don't melt the two together. You get like you get a little bowl. This is mm. great for the... By the way, this is very hip-hop, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, you get, the little, you get a little bowl. Yeah. Put some butter in it or margarine if mm. you don't like eat dairy. 
and then you put some marmite in it and you mix it up in the ratio that you want yeah and you make marmata i'm in yeah i'm 100 percent in. all right cool 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 <laughs> i've tried it yeah it's great it makes absolutely no fucking difference so yeah. it's utterly pointless it's more work of it but but for some reason the theater yeah of mixing it up makes you feel good but isn't that part of the joy of having the butter on yeah, first and then melt it on. because you never know where the butter's going to spread to um, underneath you get a little surprise hit of butter yeah i think you might be right actually have you tried um, and this is something I, I can't have. I don't know why I keep going about what I can't. Anyway, the point is, somebody told me that cheese on toast with honey underneath is banging. Have you tried that? I have not, no. No. Has go. anyone tried beans on toast with some peanut butter? No. No I can way. It's like working. sort of be- satay beans on toast. Is it really? Oh, it's good. I like eating. I have. Go on. I was just going to say, that sounds appalling, but is it worth a try? Well, I'd say it's worth a try. Right. Okay. I'm not saying it's not appalling, but I didn't find it appalling. <laughs> right, okay. So, you know, it's worth a go. I like eating cold baked beans and mixing mayonnaise into it. Still. But the way you said that was yeah. like that you start eating the baked beans and then you're sort of mixing the mayonnaise into it as you're eating it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's from the tin. Just sort of, Similar to your mum, Mike. Just sort of sitting <laughs> with the bowl, just another <laughs> squirt. Never eat it. <laughs> So, Mr. B, listen, we are big fans of yes. you on this podcast. Thank you. I'm very happy um, to hear that. And you, uh, you have proper uh, hip-hop credentials. Um, if you haven't listened to his stuff, it's, it's great. There's sort of a mix of, like, um, you sort of do chat-pop covers of, of, of hip-hop stuff, but mainly you do your own thing, don't you, basically? Yes, yes. I suppose that's the thing. I'm, I'm, a lot of people saw my... You know, my chap hop history video on YouTube's got yes. lots of hits and that sort of thing. So people tend to think, I'm always getting people saying, oh, why didn't you do a cover of this? Why didn't you do a cover of this? Like, mm, it, all my albums are just my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that typical sort of up myself artist thing. Oh, no, how dare you? I, you know, I do original things as well. But, but I think it's, you know, even taking your, like looking at your covers that you do, it's not just like... You just do you just do it in your voice. You actually can put you completely change it, don't you? I mean, it, you can recognise a tune, but you change the lyrical sensibilities of it and everything. Yes. You do put a lot of work into it. Don't well, absolutely, you? yeah. And it's an homage. It's that sort of thing that you know. The whole problem with doing supposedly funny hip hop is that yeah. you have to walk that fine line between parody and homage and that sort of thing. Which well, hopefully I just you know, yeah, I, I'm I on the right side of that. I definitely do think you do that. I, I think like. One of the things with sort of hip-hop parody or whatever that is annoying is it's like mostly done by people that you don't feel have a genuine affection mm, for it. Of course, yeah. And so you sort of have like an outsider sort of aping what they think hip-hop characteristics are and it's always yes. really horrible and shit. And, and I, think, I don't think you've even come close to looking like you're sort of not a hip-hop fan. I think that, that definitely comes across, certainly from my point of view. Good. And I believe I can speak for Rue Madge. He, can, uh, yeah, he looks like he's agreeing with me there, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. well done for sort of giving me that signal, Rue Madge. You're doing great. Um, but, uh, but, but, yeah, so I think, I think, that's, I think that's fair to say. Um, how did sort of chat-pop come about? It was, it was sort of a culmination of everything I'd done before. Because I'd, right. I'd been, you know, I'd been in a hip-hop band, things like that. And I'd done. What were they called? I was in. Uh, I was in Collapsed Lung. Yeah. I replaced our friend Nihal. Yes. Good. When he left. If you're listening, Nihal, <laughs> we got the guy that <laughs> fucked you off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> why did he, Why did he leave? Well, he, I think he wanted to do his own thing. Right. Just, yeah. You know. Did he just, go on and do the Muddy Funksters? He did Muddy Funksters. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, I think I signed to Go Beat and then that sort of thing. But yeah, just sort of. Yeah, but I think he had, you know, he had other other plans. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I just slightly by accident ended up joining Collapsed Lung just because I was, I'd seen him play a few times and really liked them. Yeah. And then I was around my friend Haytham, who's a rapper from Sensor, if you remember Sensor. Yes, I remember Sensor, yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, they're, you know, they're still playing. But um, he, I was around at his place and we were just sitting reading the NME, as people mm. I think used to do. Yeah. And then, I, you know, there was a little thing about how Neil Allen left Collapsed Lung and I said, I could do that. Just kind of as a joke. Yeah. And he went, you could do that, and he gave me Ant's number. And Amazing. did you originally think that you were going to do it as yourself, or did you anticipate Brown and up and sort of really taking on your house? Uh, no, I was, you know, obviously conscious that I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> that probably wasn't going to work out Did it occur to you well. at any moment, not at all? Uh, I don't think so. No, no. okay, fair enough. I'm obviously, I felt that I, you know, I needed to take on certain characteristics of Neil Yeah. But I was hoping that that would come across in sort of, you know, stagecraft 
and got generally you. that's what thing. Got you. Uh, you know, I may have failed, I may have succeeded, I don't know. But that was uh, good. But we went but off in another way. How much did you want to be in Collapse Long? A lot. I think I did at the time. It was, yeah. it was just sort of, but I had that feeling that I, could have, I just had that feeling that oh, I think this is actually going to happen. Yeah. I thought Maybe. it was a bit you know, out there to actually try and join a band that had got a deal and things like that. It, so you hadn't been in a ba- anything before? I'd, yeah, and no, I'd been in a oh, band yeah. and that sort of thing. I left that band, they weren't that happy about it. Yeah. yeah. They were fine. But, um, they replaced you with Nihal, didn't they? The Muddy Funks. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we call the Muddy Funks, as they were called. But, yeah, um, they but that is quite... Uh, was it a bit of a sort of a, a head fuck to sort of read about a band in, in NMA and then next thing you know, you're sort of like talking about joining the band yeah. as like the lead vocalist. And the next thing you know, I spent a whole weekend in Harlow recording. Yeah. They sent me some demos and I put some, you know, put some bars over the top and that sort yeah. of thing. And then um, they said, well, come up to Harlow, we'll just get them demoed properly and what have you. So I spent a whole yeah. weekend there. I don't remember sleeping. Right. I remember they're doing the last bit of vocals on the like, Monday morning at like eight o'clock or something like that. We were just playing lots of pool and things like that in, at the square in Harlow, which is now gone, sadly. And then I think Steve from the band gave me a collapsed lung t-shirt and just said, I think that means you're in the band. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that, a contract. That, there was never any kind of, there wasn't a big ceremony apart from the handing over of the collapsed lung t-shirt. Right. And did you, um, did you, because I, I mean, uh, listen, I don't have the illustrious hip hop career that you do, <laughs> but I remember like a DJ, like a mate hooking me up with a producer and going, oh, uh, my mate Rom raps, like, do you want to go and do, and I remember turning up to this guy's bedroom and we were just talking about it before we started recording, but with like the coat hanger and the tight stretched across Please. it. And he goes to me, right, let's see what you can do. That first moment when you're about to start is is the most terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying, yes. I mean, that must have been horrific, right? For you, yeah, for was... you more so, because I was just in front of two guys from Horsham, whereas you were in front of Collapsed Lung, right? <laughs> yes. Well, the thing is, that, I mean, luckily, they'd already, I'd demoed, you know, I'd sent them some bits right. on a tape anyway. Yeah. That they'd sent me some beats and I'd sent them some rhymes back and what have you. So they kind of knew the stuff already. The worst bit was after that when we go straight into demoing in the studio and I'd have to write new things so the first time they'd hear any of it was just me stood by the mic <laughs> and they were like you know and they kind of they were at the point when you know they'd had a couple of EPs out and yeah. they had gone mm. down really well and you know Neil had left and they got a lot of press and things like that so there was a certain pressure situation there I was just thinking oh god <laughs> what's gonna happen you know, luckily they, you know, luckily they didn't ever really say either way whether they liked it or not. Right, right, <laughs> they right. Just kind of but went, that's that that's is it, that's that is horrible because I know that after gigs and stuff, even now, it's like when you finish and you don't want to let on that you need a pat on the head, but yeah. you do. Do mm. you know what I mean? So you sort of yeah. finish and look around the room, and everyone goes, "Right, that's that's finished then." And you go, oh, "Okay, okay." <laughs> well, that was one of the first. That was what my first collapsed lung gig was like. Really, it was sort of. Came off stage and I was, oh, I was really hyped up and I had a great time and I thought the gig went really well and I kind of like, yeah, I think we should maybe do this differently and that, you know, they were already in that, yeah, yeah, yeah. just slightly cynical about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm in a band. We just played a festival in Belgium. And they're like, yeah, I don't think, you know, I think you sounded a bit overexcited there in bits of it. You're agreeing with all of that. Maybe I might change that bass line. I was like, well, that, oh, okay, <laughs> cool guy, cool, yeah, this um, is good. What happened? What happened? After your recording session, well, so what happened was it got put straight onto the mixtape, yeah, uh, and then the mixtape went out, mm. and then um, actually it's quite an embarrassing thing that happened to me. And this guy DJ Doe, he just got in touch with me recently, um, and I don't think he'll admit this, but I know this to be true because of the way that everything panned out. Is mm. that I went down there and I did I did a couple of tracks like about a month apart, just like freestyle, just it was shit. <laughs> But they were like, oh, that was really good, that was really good, and put it out. And then the last time I'd gone to see him, he goes, I've got this beat, and he sent me the beat, and I said, I've written something for it. And as I was doing it, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, I just realised that what I'd written was awful. Like, it was sort of like I was at <laughs> his, late. I was sort of at, in his little sort of makeshift studio and doing it, and he, he turned to me and he goes, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to give that another go? Like, like, have, like, do that, do that again. So I do it Maybe again. Write it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what he, I guess that's what he wanted to say. So I'll just deliver the same turgid dog shit again. And then he goes, "Cool, man. Uh, I'll speak to you soon." And then it never came out. Nor did I ever hear from him again oh. until like like a month ago. So is he got are it, you saying he's he he's got the? T- is yeah, he threatening to release it. it like a celebrity no, mixtape? No, he, he didn't say well, that. Not a celebrity, <laughs> celebrity mixtape. <laughs> Romesh in celebrity mix, mixtape. Let's, let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> Can he, do, do, if you're listening to this, yeah, send it. Can you send it 
under the cover of night, post it on, on YouTube like, by horseback. Put it on YouTube. I, I don't want. I don't want there to be any danger. It's probably it. quicker just to post it on YouTube. No, do not post it on YouTube, mate. <laughs> do not post it on YouTube. <laughs> so collapse lung. So then, yes. So then what happened? Collapse lung. How many albums? Then, uh, we had two albums out. Obviously, we released. I turned up and I, we had a little studio in Clerkenwell, and I turned up there one day, and uh, Johnny the bass player just said to me. You want to have a track used on the new Coca-Cola advert for the Euro '96 <laughs> thing? And I the said, dream. Yeah. I said, um, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Had you written Eat My Goal at this stage? Yes, it was on the first album. Right. And it wasn't, that's the whole thing. The whole, you know, Eat My Goal's not about football at all. No. It's kind of about blagging and having nothing to say at all. You yeah. See, you know, generally, my entire, my entire career has been about just having nothing whatsoever really to say about anything. But, um, yeah, so we, yeah, we did that. And I remember that day going down there. It was a Lexus garage at the end of the road. Yeah. As we all went down, we were looking around at cars, going, oh, I think I'll have that one. And then literally a year later, the band had split up. <laughs> I was phoning my accountant to ask him if I was in a position to be able to sign on the doll. <laughs> I was totally brassy. Eat, eat my doll. And I actually had to... Hey, <laughs> this, this guy, he said, eat my doll. This oh. guy's... You oh, are smashing life, man. You, honestly, it's I'm not just saying this. And the, and the positivity. You have contributed more to this episode than you have to the entire podcast oh. since we started. Oh, right. I mean, that's a compliment. There. No, you're smashing it. <laughs> you are smashing it. I mean, it does Thanks. suggest that you've been dog shit on every other one. But no, no you, great. Great work. Sorry, Mr. B. Still Sorry, trying I've to keep you slightly in your place, <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just. It's the coffee, isn't it? I'm fucking yeah. hyper. Yeah. Anyway, carry on, sorry. I've stuck with the tea. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I phoned my accountant to ask if I could go. I actually had to phone him back because he was laughing so much. He thought the whole thing was hilarious. So, and that was the thing. We do that thing often, you know, we had Eat My Goal, did well. Then we released another track after that. And we were really pleased with it, spent a bit of money on a video, and nothing. Yeah. It was just it disappeared. It sold less than all the sort of little indie ones we'd had out, and that's right. And so we'd start turning up at shows and, you know, the audience would be, you know, bouncing about and what have you. We'd play Eat My Goal, oh, go spare. And then we'd have another few t- few songs to finish <laughs> off the set while people were just drifting <laughs> off. And that's all, they're just drifting oh, off yeah. gradually. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. Um, okay, so you did, you did that. So we did all that stuff, yes. And then after that, what did I do after that? We sort of started another little band with, you know, some of the same members called Junior Blanks, which kind of, you know, we... You know, it didn't really go anywhere, but we did a couple of albums worth of material, which is quite good. And then I did some stuff under the name of Sergeant Rock and got signed to Ouija Records and had, again, that was another one that, you know, there ended up being lots of stuff used on TV because it was a slightly big beat sort of, it was that, you know, turn mm. of the century, mm. yeah, you know, big beat, break beat sort of thing for a while. Then I moved to Brighton and I started a little band. I, I took up the ukulele right, and started a little band down there and uh, just doing sort of odd covers on the on the banjolalia and what have you. But anyway, yeah, Mr. B sort of started, but it's just kind of a culmination of all these things. And I was, you know, I was looking for a way to, I was, I wanted to dress better. Right. <laughs> and that sort of thing. It was my yeah. excuse. It was my roundabout way of just, rather than just, you know, put a suit on, maybe yeah. buy a suit, put a suit on, I had to create this entire world <laughs> <laughs> just for the fact that I wanted to wear a suit to the pub. Right. And we did try and implement a thing with some friends. We always, you know, meet up for a drinky. And uh, it, yeah, I tried to implement suit autumn. That after summer, if we went out for a drink, we'd wear suits. But right. How did I was, yeah. It went fine, but I was the only one that did it. So it didn't go fine then? I mean, you just wore a suit to the <laughs> Well, it went fine for me. Right. I don't right. think I was actually thinking of anyone else at all. <laughs> they were just people who happened to be there. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, sod it. Yeah, let's, if I can, you know, we can pretend this is a thing. And then did the Tash, when did the Tash come? Yes. Well, the Tash. Because it, it is, by the way... Beautiful. Tremendous. Thank you very it much. It is absolutely Cheers. beautiful. What product are you using in that? This is au naturel. Is it really? It just, it just, I wake up in the morning curls. and it's there. Pew. Great. It actually no, kind of not. gets worse during the day. When I first wake up, I think yeah. you've been lying on it. Right. You know, so it's been squished to your face. And yeah. wake, when I wake up, it's usually, that's the best moment. Wow. And then I have a shower and could it's you all tweet goes us, on. Could you send me a photo of it? Like the first you, thing. I will, I will send you a photo. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Straight off the, the pillow. 
I will send you a picture. Well, no, the first, I think, the first Mr. B gigs, well, I just, I thought I'd just want, thought, bring the whole thing together. So I did a track called A Piece of My Mind. There's a video of that on YouTube and that sort of thing. I thought, I'll just give this a go. Yeah. I put it up on a MySpace page because it was 2007. Yeah. And then someone just, I think first of all, I, said, I was also in a little hip-hop band called Button Up with a guy from Belfast, a friend of mine. And we ended up touring in Japan. And they'd heard of some of the Sergeant Rocks that this is really round. This is no, this is good. Going around the houses here no, like no, that. No, this is good. Mm. But they, you know, these guys, these Japanese guys that put these gigs on, were sort of music geeks, and they'd heard the Sergeant Rock stuff. Right. And then they sort of said, uh, "Oh, we'd like to put a Sergeant Rock track on there." And because I hadn't done a Mr. B page yet, I put this up on the Sergeant Rock page, and they said, "Oh, we want to use this one, the piece of my mind." I was like, "Oh, right. well, that's actually Mr. B, the Gentleman Rhymer." So the first actual release of Mr. B was on a Japanese compilation wow. CD thing for this. A uh, label called Second Royal in, in Osaka. My good man, have a care. Your misuse of apostrophes is preposterous to me. It offends my very soul for my brogues my bowler. It's a whole lot of guff. And it makes me want to take it roughly, but the lapels of your blazer and haze you. You're a rude to me. It alludes me how you can be so unruly. And truly believe you can enter Club Barretta. So you'd better bust a move or you'll be trussed up to it within an inch of your life. And I'll say to the doorman. So after that, I got back and then someone asked me to play a gig. Right. So I thought, okay, and I had a bit of a beard on the go at the time, so I just you know, shaved the bottom bit off, yeah. left the tash, yeah. and then gradually I got more and more gigs, so that became impossible to do. Right. And so the moustache stayed, but it was at that kind of slightly rubbish sort of Ian Beale moustache <laughs> stage. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got to twirling stage when everything fell into place. Right. I was like, okay, now this is, okay. And I thought, I couldn't really have this moustache with just a t-shirt and jeans. No. So I started just dressing like that as well. So the whole thing. So your whole lifestyle changed essentially. In a way, yes. Yeah. Do you feel that do people respond to you differently dressed like that? I guess so. Well, I guess in a way, I've dressed like this for so long. I don't know how they would right, respond right, right. to me if I wasn't dressed like this. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think so. And I, you know, I get hecklers at gigs, but they tend to be, you know, very polite heckling. <laughs> like I was one that someone just shouted, "Adequate." <laughs> <laughs> Because they're gentlemen. Tend to do that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. people tend to, you know, the whole thing is this very yeah. terribly like, innocent, gentlemanly thing. That yeah. I don't tend to get people swearing at me and things like that. What are your crowd like? Who do you get? All sorts, really. I mean, it seems to span generations. You get sort of, you know, teenagers coming along that said that their granddad first introduced them to me or something <laughs> like that, or that sort of thing. So, you know, it seems to, it can span the generations. I guess there's all these facets of it that people can take what they like from. People like, the banjolele, the you know, I think lots of kids love the banjolele because it's got right. a sort of silly sound, and you get people that like the hip hop bit of it, or the people that like the the chappiness of it, and that sort of thing. So it tends to be a bit of a yeah mix. And who uh, do you do all the stuff yourself, or do you, how do you do? Yes, it? it's all it's all me. That's pretty amazing. Man. Yes, but this is one of those, this is one of those weird hip hop things that you always feel that you know within hip hop there's that very much. It's that thing with Kanye that he's like a producer yeah. and a rapper. It's, if he's a ra- you know he's a producer that started rapping, yeah. So people, you immediately in your hip hop head just say he must be a rubbish rapper. Then. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Thing. yeah. And I kind of find I battle with that myself, but at the same time, I'm I was always a huge Prince fan. And I always loved that you know the fact that he just did everything. Yeah, and I always wanted to do that. So it's nice, you know. This is the first time really I've really created this whole little world that's just mine. Yeah, and. Uh, and have a good old muck about with it. Well, it's very, very impressive. Um, well, thank you. Uh, the thing, the track that I, I mean, all of your stuff's great, but there's one particular because the thing is, is that I think that uh, the thing about what you do is that initially people are drawn in by the the musicality and and how different it sounds to anything else, and also there's a comedy element to it as well. Yeah. But but the other thing is, you actually sort of do tackle some quite uh, real things, I guess, like through, in, in a funny way. The one track that I wanted to talk to you about is the mm-hmm. Hip Hop Was To Blame After All. Okay, yes, yeah. And I think that that track, it sort of encapsulates the whole argument so beautifully, man. Like this, this thing about hip hop getting blamed for the misogyny and, and, and all of this. And, 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 and actually, that sort of, you, you sort of talk about how, well, your closing line is about, you know, it, you're sort of, uh, ironically blaming hip-hop for all the ills of society and, yes. then, and then say, you know, it's, it's the fault of hip-hop and not the fault of the three record companies that are in control of, of everything you listen to. Basically. Exactly, yes. Hip-hop. 
Hip-hop decided to homogenize itself and base itself in violence and wealth. Hip-hop decided to pick out its lowest traits and sell them to the public over everything that's great. Hip-hop decided that misogyny and greed would be the sort of thing that America would need. Hip-hop worshipped the cult of me. Hip-hop chose to ignore Chuck D. Hip-hop's a $40 billion industry, so now all the ghettos live in prosperity. Traded power for visibility. Let hip-hop become a new colony. That track is amazing, sort of the what you get across there. It's a really yeah, succinct way of putting the argument across. That is probably what, you know, maybe the track that I'm most proud of as far as that sort of thing goes. Because it's, you know, I usually, especially when you, you know, when you're rapping, it's, you know, in a kind of little pop song, you can you can condense things quite nicely yeah. in a few words. But obviously if you're dropping bars all over the mm. shop, you've got, you know, you've got sort of whatever, you know, 48 bars to yeah. get through loads of, extraneous nonsense yeah. before you get to the point. <laughs> yeah. But that one was, you know, a little bit shorter and sweeter and that sort of thing. But it was, I think that was, no, that was the whole thing. Yeah, you know, as we, you say, it's sort of, I'm glad that it sort of encapsulated that whole argument oh, well, because it was, but the thing is people, the, the nature of YouTube is people often like, oh, we'll watch this for a bit. Yeah. And they'll watch that, you know, until that, even up until the last five seconds. They're like, what a, what a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had people on Twitter going, you're a fascist. You, you, you can't sit there, and, you know, as a posh, you know, white Englishman and blame hip hop for everything. Yeah. You're like, please listen to the end. Have you seen that well, that new video now, for man, I'm Not Racist? Black, Have you seen this video where it's like Joyner Lucas, I think it is. No, okay. Um, where he does the arguments um, of racist oh, white yes. people. Yes. And then he does great. the counter-argument from the black community. But the video is two guys, like this redneck-looking white guy and this, like, black guy just sitting opposite each other. And the first bit is the white arguments, right? So, but he gets the white guy to... He's not in the video. He gets the white guy to do, to mine, to his bit. Well, he does both bits. But what it looks like when you click on that video is just this really racist red Neck that can fucking spit fire, like it's just so bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then, uh, the, the first the thing people in the comments sort of reacting to that. Yeah, I think like when it when it first came out, people just like, what the hell? Who the hell is this guy? This is like crazy. And then eventually people sort of got right. it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I no, think he's still got some shit mm. for it though, hasn't it? Like because they were sort of saying that I, I think the racist arguments were a bit too persuasive or something. I mean, he is a black guy, but. I think I think it actually also, contributed to it. I think a couple of people went, yeah, fuck, yeah, actually. <laughs> well, also because it's on the internet. So, yes, yeah. yeah. That's, that's I mean, that's the, the that is the main factor, yeah. is it? Yeah, sorry. I found they, that actually recently, I think in my uh, Just Like a Chat video, I've suddenly got a swathe of, of hatred. Really? From I don't know if it's from one source and all his pals or something like that. So everyone's like, I hate this guy. I hate this shit. No, God. Just, no, I learned that early. Just click on the thumbs up on the comments. Yeah. Have you <laughs> ever responded to anything like that? Um, yeah, I think I did a while back. I think there was a whole thing with um, with my dear chum, Professor Elemental. Yes. Who, you know, we, we had our little chap off thing. Yes. And when he released his fighting trousers, a lot, a lot of people just took it very seriously. Right. And they thought you really had beef. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 I think there may have been a mild bit of beef, just yes. as, much, as much as, you know, we'd... We met each other at a public enemy gig at Brixton when they were doing the Nation of Millions, you know, doing yes, the whole album. Just playing thing. the album from top to bottom. Playing yeah. the album, yes. And then we didn't see each other maybe for a year or so, a year and a half after that. And I think he just had loads of people, you know, coming up at gigs saying, Oh, I really like that one about cricket you do and things like that. <laughs> I mean, I got the same thing, you know, yeah. I like your tea one. So I think you go, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I think he just, but you know, we, we went for a drink after he'd done it and he said, Look, you know, you know, I'd always wanted to do a diss track and, you know, right. there wasn't anyone that turned up <laughs> until me that he could, you know, make it relevant. Yeah. So you're friends now? Oh, yeah. We're all we're all chummy. Yeah. But we still, everyone, you know, lots of people still sort of say, oh, you know, we'd like to put you and Professor Elemental and maybe you could do a battle on it. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Do we have to? Can we just... So, yeah, we do a lot of shows together, but we'll end up just doing a couple together at the end and that sort of thing. Right, right, right. We were talking the- about doing an EP together or something like that, but just... Never end up going around to it, you know. Were you at the public? And I think it, I don't know if it was that that gig that you took. Was I was at that gig, right? Well, went that, that tour. I went and see them on that tour. But there's one gig, and I don't know if it's that one. I don't think it was, where somebody just hurled a can of red stripe at one of the S1Ws. Like they were doing wow. like 
they were doing their thing doing slightly, and then yeah. just suddenly you just see this fucking just full can just twat one of them straight in the chest did he carry on doing yeah, his march uh, clear the way for the S1Ws yeah. man. I don't give a shit yeah, clear the way. red stripe isn't going to stop them are you crazy you think you can stop the revolution with red stripe fuck you mate they just carried on actually to be to be truthful Flavor Flav really lost his shit about it he wasn't happy finished up the can why would you be you no. wouldn't go oh, that was funny no but I, I, I always found uh, public enemy gigs I mean I've been to so many of them mm. <laughs> there was one I don't know if you've been to see him but quite a few but actually it, this is an embarrassing story about me meeting Chuck D was oh, oh after, go on go on go it was, I think we played in Brighton a couple of years ago yeah and it's that thing I get a bit kind of you know if you meet people like that it can go one or two ways yes. you go well or generally speaking it'll be very quick and embarrassing yeah mm. and you know you saw like DJ Lord walking past and then yeah. Flav walking past and there's always oh Chuck's there I thought let's go and get a photo yeah you know I don't usually like to do that sort of thing but sometimes you think let's just do it it's Chuck D for fuck's sake it's you Chuck D it, exactly right? and there was a guy with, with you know this sort of vague queue formed that sort of thing there was a guy yeah. in front of me put his arms around Chuck and just went I've seen you play three times <laughs> oh god and, and I just and I just oh god I don't know why I'm saying this I went there put my arm around him went I've seen you five times. Oh my god. And then god. kind of immediately thought, what was his oh reaction? Just a little nod. Yeah, was just a very, I don't even know what the action was because I quickly ran away again, thinking he must never know oh my, my face. Oh my god. Just what in Chuck your... D sitting there getting a series of numbers this minute. Exactly. What in your head would have been the perfect thing to say? Like you're in your walk away. Know, you know, let's, let's, like, you know, let's do an LP together and, you know, and even he'd say yes yeah. and everything will be great. He'd say we, yes, we, uh, but only if he's got a shitty pun in the title. Oh god. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the part of the show when we ask how did you get into hip-hop? So um, anyway, we're supposed to talk about your your relationship with hip hop. So that's right. Yes. Kind of. Uh, how did you get into it in the first instance? How did I get into it? Um, well, I think you know, it was probably the you know quite early on in the sort of you know when the first sort of recorded hip hop was coming over yes. here and that sort of thing. But at the t- that time, sort of the early eighties, musically it was all sort of tribes, and at that point, I decided that I was a rockabilly. Right. So it was actually my brother that really got. You know, he was more, you know, he was into hip hop and things like that. And things being slightly, you know, you couldn't, you could not cross the line. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, I had a quiff and things like that. But I was sort of hearing this stuff and thinking, oh, it's interesting. And my brother was, by, you know, bringing back sort of, but it was all, th- I think, you know, it's all things like kind of, a lot of this sort of lightly cheesy end, like break machine. Right. Things like that. Yeah. But um, I remember, you know, I sort of listened to, uh, sort of beatbox by the art of noise when that yeah. came out, and I remember having it on one of my Walkman at school, hiding secretly yes. listening. And my rockabilly friend came up and just went off and said, "Oh what are you shit!" To? I was like, "Oh god, no, no!" <laughs> and he's like, "What the hell's this?" And I had to try to get around it by going, "Well, the bit of the start of beatbox is kind of got a twelve-bar blues bass line thing, <laughs> so that's kind of why I got into it." Yeah, and, you know, the game was up, the jig was up, and so um, yeah, it's got a got into it 
a bit after that, really. So it's kind of almost second-hand revival, yeah. my brother. And we shared a room, so, you know, we'd always end up, you know, arguing about who was playing, you know, who was going to play the Stray Cats and who was going to play Houdini and that yeah. sort of thing. I remember, um, like, everyone at my school, like, when I first got into hip-hop, being into the Smiths. All right. And then I sort of was too nervous to say I was into hip-hop. So I said to a guy, oh, can I borrow... Can I borrow your Smiths album? I really, like, really want to check him out. And then borrowed it and didn't listen because I didn't have any interest in listening to it at all. And then sort of gave it back to him. And I said, "Oh, it's great. It was amazing. It was really good." And he goes, "Really? Because it's like exactly the same point as I didn't. I, I should have like <laughs> forwarded like, oh, it on yeah, or something. Like yeah, it's a cassette. Yeah. Oh, right. And I was like, "Oh, cool. I go, uh, yeah, but no. But I just listened to it exactly once. <laughs> you should have recorded over it. Like I like, of put a load of hip hop on there. You've marked it off, right? Yeah. I listened to it to this. Aha. <laughs> um, so, and what was? Do you remember what your first album that you really bought and got into was? I would probably guess. I just, I, I remember owning. I remember having the album uh, Kingdom Blow, Curtis Blow album. Yes, yeah. And it's you know, it's okay, yeah. that sort of thing. But weird, I think the one one track I listened to all the time on it was actually a kind of an instrumental called uh, Unity Party Jam. Right. He'll be ha- unhappy to hear that. He will be unhappy to hear that because it was just you know the one instrumental track on yeah. the Curtis Blow album. Well, then I remember by I remember getting licensed to Ill, really, right. and I remember you know, in a way that I can't remember if I bought it or my brother bought it, but I remember so you took it home, stuck it on my little Panasonic plasticky tray, you know, the tray comes out and you stick the record on, yeah, and just blasting it out for blast and just leaping about the room, doing the uh, Alibaba and the Forty Thieves things yeah. all that before my mum came up and just said, "Do that right now." But, uh, yeah, I just remember that, and just, you know, that point and that whole sort of, you know, that whole, era, you know, Def Jam era. The sort yes. Of, what we might call the second golden age. Yes. We're a bit of golden ages, man. Yeah. Like that sort of original, you know, the original golden age, and then the sort of Def Jam. Hip-hop has a lot of golden ages and a lot of deaths. Those, yeah. are, those are the two things <laughs> that, that happen to hip-hop a lot. Do you know what I mean? They do. It's like boom-bust cycle yeah. uh, with hip-hop. Uh, did, you watch the, did you watch the documentary, the Netflix thing, that evolution of hip-hop? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, like so first of all I felt bad because I didn't realise how much of a megastar Curtis Blow was at the time because like mm. I mean did you see him in it he's still got like a, he's, he was wearing like a full like velour tracksuit well, and still a sort of busted out the yeah, yeah. 80s style yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't realise I didn't realise that at the time he was like the first kind oh, yeah, of megastar was wasn't he yeah, yeah really the first solo you know, hip hop yeah. artist to, to break through. Yeah, and I think it was a th- that was the first. Was it the first? Wasn't this Christmas rapping? Oh, yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. track on yeah. British yeah. like, hip hop. Yeah, because on, on top TV. of the pops, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was mad. <laughs> Christmas it was so mad. It's so and funny. You wonder why people thought, well, this is just a novelty. It won't last. <laughs> Christmas rapping. I mean, that it's is never on any of those. Christmas that is a rumage worthy pun title for a song, mm. isn't it? Um, but the other thing that that was sort of you know, it's funny because you mentioned Last to Ill is the Beastie Boys, I didn't realise until I watched that how sort of manufactured, not that their sound was, but like they had to be very careful on how they were marketed and stuff, didn't Mm. they? Like they sort of, it was very deliberate the way that they were put out of these kind of party white boys or whatever, do you know what I mean? It was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, they were a kind of punk band before, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was very, you know, very much sort of Rick Rubin... Mm orchestrated thing wasn't it it's yeah like, okay you've got to be like lunatics you know pissing beer over, over everyone and yeah exactly yeah, so yeah, you've yeah. got to be yeah. just mental yeah and then uh, Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons who are now they're both controversial for different reasons aren't they I say controversial Simmons on... Russell Simmons is, yeah have you got the controversy it's uh... What's convicted? What's no, the, is he being accused? Isn't I, 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 as soon as I started talking about this, I immediately right, became yeah, nervous because I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, sufficient, maybe I don't know sufficient the, details legals. to really. But so this is all in lieu of me making a legal background check. Is I'd like to point out I know nothing him? about any of this. Okay, so Russell Simmons, <laughs> Russell Simmons has been accused of allegedly, uh, allegedly, <laughs> possibly, uh, sort of sexual kind of. Unwanted sexual advances, mm. and um, 
I hate to say this sort of now because I don't know the fact that apparently it was all alongside Mr. B, the gentleman rhymer, that he sort of <laughs> conducted most of these activities. So he said, "I heard you met Chuck D." He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to talk to you anymore. But <laughs> so Russell Simmons has got that. But the other thing is Rick Rubin is like is some right wing. Oh, right. Oh, he's gone full sort of. He's apparently yeah. He's grown philosophically into his look. Yes, yeah. basically, <laughs> basically that is what's happened. It's like they like he's on Twitter. And has only like tweeted a couple of times, and both of those times were to endorse some right-wing kind of ideology or something. And then he's deleted it, right. so Weird. he's in a bit of shit as well. He's just a sort of late-night drunken right-wing. I guess so. We've all done that, haven't we? I've all, yeah, yeah. I've all like retweeted some anti-immigrant thing when oh. I've had a couple of bevies. Oh. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's normally red stripe that gets me. And uh, do you listen to hip hop now as much as you did then, or have you sort of gone? Have you gone away from it and come back to it, or not even come back? Well, to there's it? been endless goings away and comings back, like right. very much like the golden ages. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. I've been listening to lots of um, lots of kinds of what, what you might call the LA beats sort of thing. Right. Lots of the. I remember seeing there was a video. This guy called Just Rain. Yeah. Who's kind of funny YouTuber sort of bloke, and there was a video of these two guys trying to dance, kind of. Looking at each other dancing in a car oh, park yeah. in Toronto. I've seen that. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just great. And it ends up each other for ages. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. it just sort of ends up as this weird little love story thing. Yeah. But there's a track behind that. I just thought this is a really great track. And it turned out it was by a girl called DJ Ellie. And she yeah. put together these uh, compilations called Culture. And there are this sort of just like largely, again, instrumental. Yeah. As a rapper, it's very odd that I like, <laughs> almost entirely listen to instrumental hip hop. Yeah. And it's just lots of very wonky sort of. That kind of slightly sort of Jay Dillerish off the beat, you know, everything's all the beats are all over the place. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's I've been listening loads and loads of that. It's um, late. it's almost all I listen to now is that sort of LA beat, sort of lo-fi hip hop. It's interesting. Well, like the thing about listening to instrumental hip hop, which I think most of the people I know have started listening to instrumental hip hop later on. Like they started off listening to you know stuff with vocals on it, whatever, and then sort of dabbled in like listening to instrumental hip hop. And the weird thing about it is, is that it's a, I think it's a slightly different experience because a lot of those tracks, when they start, about 30 seconds in, they've basically done everything they're going to do. Do you know what mm. I mean? And then you're just going to hear that for the rest of the track. <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of a bit of a different listening experience, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's more sort of like... Uh, well, the truth is, how I started getting into it is I read something about how having music in the background can help you concentrate when you're writing and shit like that. Right, okay, yeah. So well, I music without lyrics. Well, I, well that, the thing is, I started just putting hip-hop mm. on and became like immediately distracted by it and just thought this yeah. isn't really working. And then I tried instrumental hip-hop and actually it does work. It's great. Like, it, yeah. the right, it's great, man. Like, you could just you sort of um, get into a zone... And you sort of are kind of conscious of the music, but it does help. It's much the better. sort of looping nature of it. Or something, I don't know. Like I don't, it's it's just like having sort of... that in the background. And then you find that everything you write is in sort of 16 bars yeah, of yeah. rhymes. I've, I've written an hour's tour show about Dilla. So I, 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 I don't <laughs> it does, know. It really works. Yeah. <laughs> and um, is there anything that you don't... Is there? Into, I mean, we always ask people like this cause I, about this because I'm sort of obsessed with... Uh, trap and like mumble rap and all that kind of stuff. Right. Do you listen to any, do you dabble in any of that at all? Um, not usually. I mean, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the instrumental stuff is almost, you know, it's got that mm. sort of very slow 808, yeah. you know, snappy 808 snares all over the place, but yeah. very little with vocals on it. I mean, some of it does have a bit of auto-tuned general gubbins over the top. Yeah. Like, you know, I do like, you know, things like Lady Leisure, the sort of Queen's Speech yeah, yeah, video yeah. she did are just brilliant. Yes. And I kind of love her slightly brummy, the kind of brummy take on it. Yes. Head stuck a football boot it. I don't know what you really want to do this. But RIP to your music. Wait too up, no peace, no deuces. You're a little bag, mega copper juices. Hit with a new thing, call it exclusive. Don't need back in, I could do it in acoustic. Rago, rack. Our Billy Gina, yell. Moonwalk on her. She will get bad up. Yell, I get a slap on her head back. Um, I tried to recently. Mm. Have you done? Have you tried to listen to the Migos album? No. So Is it- I, I decided to try and basically somebody said to me that I was being a judgmental prick, right? That for, for not listening. So I thought to myself, I'm going to try and get into some of this, right? So I started listening to Future. Right. Yes. Uh, 
and this future is an ongoing theme of this podcast. Yeah, I know. It does let's get always let's get into future. So I tried to get into future, but and I tried that before, but that didn't happen. Then I started listening to the new Migos album, and what you say is true. The beats are all incredible. Like they're all really good, but I just wouldn't say. Everything else about it is shit. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's your Migos stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's but, almost like, it almost feels like a waste. It's a waste of a beat. Yes. If you get that Danny Brown on the top of something like that, I it's know. magic. It's I absolute know. fire. It's magic. I know. But uh, yeah. Oh, man. Hip-hop grapes. Is there anything about hip-hop that you don't like? Well, I suppose in a way we've covered a lot, you know, with the hip-hop was to blame after all. That's yes. definitely a grind. Mm. But the fact yeah, that yeah. there's so... I, I think, you know, the fact that Kendrick's managed to break through and things like that and be a huge star is yeah. kind of a miracle in this day and age. Yes. Because he's a proper artist and he's, you know, he's up there. And, but, you know, just the way that it's, you know, what you tend to see and hear is controlled by a small group of people who don't care about the music particularly. Yeah. And that sort of thing. Well, it's interesting because, like, since this podcast has come out, like, well, since we started doing it, you get people that are sort of, that are, are ageing b-boys, I guess, for want of a, a different phrase, who just sort of used to listen to it and have sort of uh, gone away from it and it sort of reminds them of stuff they used to listen to. There's a lot of people that sort of say there isn't any good hip-hop now and that just simply isn't the case. No, that mean? is really They're, not. I mean, I think, in a way, I think we could be, you know, we could be heading towards another golden age. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think totally there's a agree lot of really, really, really good stuff around. And we've instigated that. Yes, yeah. I do. But I, do I, I don't want to overstate it, it yeah, yeah. but I do think <laughs> it is mainly because of this podcast. You are the kind of Africa Bambata of podcast. Yes, podcasts, correct. Although uh, is, allegations uh, notwithstanding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. This might not go out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to get about 10 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Also, as far as gripes go, there's always the live hip-hop gripe. Yes. A couple of which being, one is, I did, you know, see Della Sol. I went to see Della Sol when they did Three Feet High and Rising. Right. It was great. Saw them at the, I think it was the Town and Country Club in the Forum in Kentish Town. Yeah. And it was brilliant. Then I saw them you know, a few years after that, and they'd done that full, like, just play the song. Yeah. Don't stop it halfway through and go, oh, and then start, you know, doing call response yeah, and yeah. doing the hokey cokey and things like that. Let's, let's just, <laughs> let's just, just, I just want to hear the songs. Yeah, yeah, That sort of thing. Also, it's possibly, I mean, it's not necessarily a gripe, but I do tend to find with hip hop, it's like, let's just have the breaks and the samples. Yeah. Don't bring drums and guitars and bass in and things like that in a way, because it's sort of, I don't know, I tend to find hip hop live is, you know, should just be a DJ. Oh, I see, yes, sort of yes, yes, yeah, I when totally... People, and that's the thing with Public Enemy bringing, you know, they have a drama and things like that. Yeah. It sounds fine, but it's not as sort of visceral as that. No, I... Know, the breakbeat. Yes, sort of I totally agree with you. But the, the other thing that is, uh, that I sort of feel with that, is it it's slightly like... Uh, when they do that, they feel like it's more arty. For, you know, like it suddenly. Yeah, we're, we're musicians. Yes, it's like when, like I, I went to see Jay Z and um, at the Royal Albert Hall, and he had an orchestra doing all the backing tracks, and everybody was sort of like, you know what? That's amazing. He really is talented. You're like, no, it doesn't make him more he's talented. Just, he's just very rich. Yeah. He can afford to book an orchestra. I'd love to have an orchestra play, but yeah. I don't yeah. get paid that sort of money. I know it's just madness, man. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But I mean, do you, are, we, are you conscious of that with the live hip hop thing? Are you conscious of that because a lot of the time it sounds like they haven't sound checked and stuff like that, and it just like is a bit. Are you conscious of that when you do your live shows, or do you not give a fuck? You just think everyone else is doing it shit. I might as well phone it in as well. <laughs> Depends on the gig. In a way, well, no, I think you know. I always, I always give it. A... <laughs> I always give it a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're doing everything yourself. Yeah. Is it? How much do you engage with the audience? Do you... Oh, I do. You know, the thing I do lots of. This is the you know the thing that I do sort of hip hop gigs or you know just toilet venue gigs or right. I do a lot of sort of cabaret, and you know that's you know that sort of thing. And you've got to, you have to get the audience involved a bit. Yeah. And I do do call and response, but within the song. Yes. Within the song. And it all has just... sort of an artistic and political kind of bent to it, doesn't it? Well, and you're very well, much about so. getting a message across. Yes. Much as much as Rupert is, uh, whenever he speaks so profoundly as he as he tends to. Thank you. Um, yes, I went to see Buck sixty five. Oh uh, yes. And he it was just him over like a mm. desk sort of noodling. And it was good. The yeah. music was good and it all sounded good. But he didn't really <laughs> Engage with. I mean, he could he have been just up. doing that in his room. Mm. Like it was good, right, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. he was so 
into what he was doing, it was sort of like an art installation. Do you, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. where he was just doing mm. his thing and we were sort of incidental to it. But it still was good. Well, but. I often think of, you know, like getting some more stuff up on the stage and doing that sort of thing. And, yeah. You know, I got one of those little Roland uh, SP404 things that seem to be really popular with lots of hip-hop DJs now because they have all these crazy, you know, DJ effects you can slap on things. Right, right, right. But then I think, like you said, in practice, you know, in my head, I think that's going to look great. Doing stuff on yeah, stage, yeah, yeah. they're going to go. Oh, all the audience will be going. Wow, what's he doing? That yeah. sounds amazing. I could well be doing nothing, but um, yeah, I think in practice, it's just you are just a bloke on stage noodling about. I, I always feel self-conscious about doing stand-up and just how little spectacle or theatre there is to it. And mm. I remember, like, when I did Edinburgh one year, they did this. Um, it was like my first solo show in Edinburgh. It's like Mervyn Stutter's pick of the fringe. Do you know? Oh that? yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So I've he, done that. Yeah, yeah. So he got me to like, like that. Whatever they asked me to go and do five minutes. So I stood backstage, and I watched the act that was on before me, and it was some of the most beautiful shadow puppet theatre I'd ever seen in my life. And I was just watching it, and there were people fucking crying in the audience. And I'm stood there going, what am I supposed to do here, man? Are you ready to laugh? Because <laughs> that was spectacular, wasn't it? So I just need the mic and the stand, and I'm just going to whinge for five minutes. Let's see how it goes, shall we? Plug one, plug two. Guest plugs for you. Right, we're out of time, unfortunately. Oh. But um, is there anything? Thank you very much. You've been yeah, a splendid guest, Rupert. Oh, you've you. been fantastic as, as well. You. But thank I think you. has been very good. I think you're joining yes. with me in saying that Mr. B, the best guest we've ever had, the best. Yeah, yeah, well, amazing. That's Public NB number one. Pardon? Public NB number one. Very good. That's not and he bad. finishes it off with a little, another extra little turd very there good. to put on the on the top of a. Oh, I, I of a big turd. I might have to say that I cannot claim responsibility entirely for this being the best one. I think we no, no, yeah. actually... Yes, you know, it's a yeah. team, it's a team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is, there, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Because we're big time. Oh, actually, actually I, brought, I brought along a couple of presents for you. I've got my Mr. B's, the, the chat pop songbook. Thank yes! You. Oh, thank you. Thank you very I'm much. I've them out of the bag. Yeah. So is this available is, in all good bookstores now? Uh, no, I, you know, I don't think they'd want anything to do with it. Would they? It's just on, on from gentlemanrhymer.com. Oh, OK, great. Thank you, you so much. illustrated. By, by my own hand as well. Is this really right. your stuff? Wow. Yeah. Can you buy the music directly from your website? Is that you the can, best way yes. to get it? You can get CDs on the website. Yeah. CDs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's all on iTunes and Spotify and all that sort yeah. of thing. Do you want people to listen to it on Spotify? If they like it. Right. I mean, yeah, if they must. Okay, fine. I'll get you. If know. you must, if you don't give a shit about somebody <laughs> making a living, exactly. then listen to it on Spotify. This is available on Spotify, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They you fucking put my tour show on Spotify, mate. <laughs> I didn't even fucking know. It wasn't <laughs> sanctioned. Do you know what I mean? Anyway. On that cliffhanger. Yes, uh, yes. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks thank for you. Me. And what a pleasure to be sat alongside Rumage. Thank you so much, brother. An honour. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.